Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to We Have a Take, the What Podcast. I am Tara Bone Biggs, and I am joined today by Rose L. Harding. Hey, Rose. Hi, Tara. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm sleepy this week. I had a I had a long hard week. My daughter was sick this week, so I'm taking it easy this weekend. How are you? I am I am doing pretty good. I am really looking forward to going to the game tonight. Uh, the Blazers are playing the Lakers, and it's going to be the first game since we learned of the passing of not one but like two important people uh, for the Blazers. You know, the cameraman and um, also the Shans. So um, I thought just for our icebreaker, we might just kind of um, talk a little bit and reflect about um, about the Shans and kind of what he meant and what we remember about Bill Shanley. What were your thoughts that um, went on your went through your mind? Uh, well, it's funny. So I'm like a little bit younger than you, um, but I do remember, you know, hearing him on Blazers telecasts and radio for a long time. Um, but it's funny. I never knew what he lo- I didn't know what he looked like until I was like an adult. Huh. You know, so he was just like a voice. Um, and I it was like a voice that I was very familiar with and I could pick out of places and there's certain phrases that he had that like if I heard like a I don't know, like a certain words, I would just hear it. But I didn't know what he looked like. And I remember when I finally saw him as an adult, I was like, he's tiny. Cause in my head, he was like a mountain of a man, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone who was like really big and important and a pillar of like blazer basketball. And then like I meet him and he was like, oh, he's tiny. And the only time I ever, I'll say the only time I ever actually like met him, like interacted with him was probably like five or six years ago, longer than that. I didn't have a child yet. So like seven or eight years ago um, on the concourse. Cause you know how he used to walk around the concourse before games mm-hmm. all the time. You'd see him mingling um and he was walking by the 10 barrel um on the first on the first floor on the concourse and he like some big guys were like getting beers there and like they didn't see him because he's small and he was kind of behind them and they like practically ran him over he was like in front of me and then these big guys were like grabbing their beers and then like you know hustling to their seats or whatever and they almost like ran him over and so um well, Sean Lee, like, kind of, like, stumbled back. And he was in front of me, so I, like, kind of caught him as he was oh stumbling God. back. And I was like, are you okay? And he just tapped my hand. He just tapped uh, my hand that was on his shoulder. And he just went along his way. Oh, to indicate that he was... Wow. Yeah. You were there to protect the golden pipes. <laughs> you just... I was... I don't know. As someone who's short... When I'm in like big crowds, I'm like really aware of other small people because like people don't always see you. Mm-hmm. And he was just, I mean, most people, like if they saw him coming, they would like part the seas. Like it was, you know, like to give him space. But these guys just didn't see him there. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, we're not knocking Bill Shanley over on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness you were there. Um, um, what about you? So for me, I became a Blazer fan like in 89, 90. So he was definitely the radio voice. He was definitely the voice that I listened to. He, you know, it was a lot harder to get games on TV. So it was like a pretty regular thing to listen to the radio for years and years and years. And then eventually it was like the radio play-by-play was so good that we would just listen to the radio and watch it on TV. And... um yeah, he was uh he was 
definitely like a big part of the reason that I even liked and, you know, got sucked into it in the first place because he made it dynamic and exciting. Um, it was funny. So I used to, I used to do Toastmasters and when I was in there, like the, for, for the first 10, you have like really structured, like the first 10 speeches that you give and like eight of them I did about the Blazers. <laughs> That poor group was so sick of me by the time I was done <laughs> telling so many blazers, but I did make a fan out of a few of them. Um, but anyway, one of the ones that I did was about the origin of Rip City. So I researched that like, I don't know, five years ago or whatever. Um, and one of the things that I came across in my research for writing that that has really stuck with me is that somebody, you know, everybody asks, you know, him, where does, where did it come from? That's an easy story. But when somebody asked him, what does it mean? And he thought about it for a minute. And I wish I had the source. I don't have the source. I'll dig around and try to find it. But I, I can't remember where I actually read this. But what he said was, Rip City means something good happened. And I just, I think oh. it's such a perfect description of it. Yeah. And it's not even, it's not too specific. It's just something good. Because when you said it, you know, when he would say it, it was because something good happened. You know, we yeah. say it on Twitter as like a hashtag so that we can find the conversation. So it's, yeah. it's gotten a little bit watered down since then. But so that has really always stuck with me that Rip City means something good happened. That was that that's something I'll always uh, remember that he said. And the, the other thing that I learned when I was researching that thing is obviously I learned about Jim Barnett being the um, person who made the shot that uh, Bill Shonley first said Rip City on. So every time the Warriors come to town, I'm like, why aren't we talking about Jim Barnett, who has been their broadcaster for years? He's now like an analyst for the radio station. He's not like uh, on the broadcast every time anymore. But I was always like, how come every time Jim Barnett comes to town, we don't like say something about how he was the guy who made the shot? So I always appreciate them and give a little thanks to him every time I see or hear him. He's like the one person associated with the Warriors that I'm excited to um to talk to talk about and think <laughs> i um i i, I it's so weird because like that phrase has come to mean a lot it's like i don't know it's like an exclamation and it's also like a noun <laughs> like mm -hmm. it became like the fan identity and i don't know like it's just really like i think it's been really great to see that the blazers kind of rolled with that for like I don't know. They didn't change hashtags or phrases or identities. Like a lot of teams like try to like remarket themselves. And I don't know. It just, I, it's like, it feels so old that like, it was never like it was, it doesn't ever feel like it was never a part of us. Like, it's like, it just feels like it's been a blazer thing forever. And I don't know, like, I, I don't know who always felt like that, like at the beginning, but that's how it's always felt for me because you know, I'm a child of the eighties. Mm -hmm. Um, That it's just always been something that was always, presence in the fandom there was a period of time where the blazers did not want other people to use the phrase and that was not a popular choice and that was um <laughs> shut down quickly i don't know if it was before paul allen's time or not this is another thing that i learned when i was um was when i was uh writing that so like people were not allowed to like name their businesses like rip city blah 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 um so uh that was, yeah, that, that was the thing about Rip City. But one one other Bill Shonley thing, I it's actually the cover image for my Instagram. 
uh, he and Damian Lillard did a standard TV and appliance commercial together back when Damian was like just in his first couple of years. Oh, and I it remember. Ends, it ends with them sitting on the bed. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, like laying they in a bed. Nice long day walking all around the standard of TV and testing out all the appliances. And they end up on the bed just having a nice conversation. I always loved that ad. And I love that picture of the two of them. <laughs> Isn't that your Twitter picture? Or it's like, it's one of your pictures. It's somewhere. my Instagram picture. Your Instagram yeah. picture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it I was back it. when it was, it was like, uh, I remember Dame was wearing the like sleeved jersey mm-hmm. in those ads. Like just how long ago that was. Cause remember when the sleeve jersey was kind of this weird, like superstition mm-hmm. uniform for us where everybody's like, we win in the sleeves. Yeah. Um, but that was like long, you know, in the Adidas days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I I just have I also have fond memories of that ad and also of that sleeved jersey. So that's mm-hmm. why I always remember what I, I remember that what that ad looked like. And they just like laid in bed together at the end and they were like standard TV and appliance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I the other thing about that I thought about when Sean Lee died, there's a lot of stuff obviously that went through mine and everybody's heads when we learned about this, is that like what a incredible impact one man had. I mean, it is just amazing the number of stories and the number of photos of people, you know, posing with him and, you know, every story just all being in line with him being, you know, gracious and, um, you know, kind. And, you know, it's just amazing to me, you know, how, how consistent that is. And like that one person, I mean, obviously he was 93 years old, so he lived a long life, 50 of those with this organization. Um, but just like what, what an incredible legacy to leave behind. You know, this just made me think of this. Um, so my dad had bypass surgery when I was like in college, I was like in my twenties, I think I was 20. I don't know how old I was, but it was like in the early two thousands, my dad had bypass surgery. And I remember being really freaked out about it because my dad wasn't like particularly old. He was like 60. Um, anyway. I remember when my dad told me he was going in for bypass surgery because it was like very sudden. It was like he went for a stress test and then on like on like a Friday and then like that day that he was like, oh, I can't come home because they're going to make me stay overnight in the hospital for the weekend. And then on Monday, I'm having bypass surgery. Like he was they were so worried that they wouldn't even let him go home. And that like really freaked me out. And he, I remember him telling me when I was like freaking out about it, he was like, it's OK. The Sean's had bypass surgery. Oh. And he's fine. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you like? What are you? He's, he's like, he had bypass surgery like 20 years ago. And look at him. And I was like, what are you? And I so my dad is like a tall tale teller. So I wasn't super sold that this was like a real thing. He just said it to me because he knew that I would care that that was a thing that happened. Well, it was not until yesterday when I decided to look at Bill Shanley's Wikipedia article that I saw that. He had heart bypass surgery in 1982. Your dad was and not lying to you. He was not lying to me. And there's something that also is very comforting about that to me because I'm like, the man lived to be 93. Mm-hmm. And he had bypass surgery before I was born. Like, it, I don't know. You just never know when, you talk, when you're talking about like serious, like, like conditions like that, about what mm-hmm. that means for the longevity of somebody's life. And so now I'm like, in my head, I'm like, my dad's still in his 80s. He's going to be here till he's 93. <laughs> he's going to be here. Johnny can do it. My Bill dad Shonley. can do it too. Yep. 
<laughs> okay, I'm glad you brought up Bill Shonley's Wikipedia entry because I highly recommend everybody go and read it because it's a really good one. You know how I am about like really good Wikipedia entries. Oh, and I know. His is a really good one. And I want to read one thing just in case somebody doesn't want to go to Wikipedia and read it. I'm just going to read one <laughs> little uh, excerpt, which will hopefully whet your appetite and make people want to go read the whole thing. Um, okay, one incident... In one incident during a game against the San Francisco Seals at the Cow Palace. I think this is when he was doing um, hockey, maybe? The Cow Palace. Yeah, I think this was hockey. Okay, let me go. In one incident during a game against the San Francisco Seals at the Cow Palace, an obnoxious fan would hit a siren every time the Seals made a good play and eventually held the siren up to Sean Lee's ear. Going to a commercial, Sean Lee announced... By the time I get back on the air, this guy is going to have a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> Sean Lee put his headset down, turned around, and slugged him. Security took the man away, and Sean Lee returned to the air saying, he got his knuckle sandwich, folks. Did he get, did he get tossed? Sean Lee didn't. The other guy did. It makes me think about, remember, um, what's his face? Uh, Mike Rice. Mike Rice got tots. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and Sean Lee actually hit a guy. Well, this is um, when they were, let's see. I, I still can't, I don't I don't know what kind of, let's see. Let me click on San Francisco's and see, Seals and see what kind of, uh, yeah, they were a hockey team. So maybe it was okay. a little more accepted in hockey. <laughs> and there is a lot more punches thrown. Yeah. Anyway, Great read if anybody wants to go read Wikipedia, the Wikipedia article about Bill Shonley. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Lots of great stuff. He had a very rich and varied life. Um, so yeah, yeah, just like a, a rough week for the Blazers because you know, only like 48 hours prior, they had lost the cameraman John Curry, who'd been yes. with them for 40 years almost. Blazer Cam four. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I I I have to, you know. I have to believe that this is, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for the broadcasters to go on. I mean, obviously they're all pros and they're going to go on, but I don't know. My heart is really going to be with them tonight and I'm glad that I'm going to be in the building and what better chance to like, um, start feeling better and kind of work through it than against the Lakers. That's, um, it's, it's so crazy. Cause you know, John Curry is someone I have always seen on broadcast. He's always sitting there like right under the hoop, sometimes getting run over like um, and, you know, all of a sudden you see him like you'll see him sitting next to Bruce and they're both just doing their job, shoot, like mm -hmm. giving us the best look at the game. And you just kind of don't think about those people as like, like. They can just like disappear. Yeah, they're like immortal forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so John Curry had been there 39 years and I am 39 years old. He's like, is anything that I can ever remember about the Blazers, he was working with the Blazers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't, I know, like intellectually, I know people don't live forever, but some people I'm like, but I, I can't imagine not seeing you mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't like, I'm not there to like, look at him. Like I'm not there watching what the Blazers camera guys do, but like, I don't know. He just gave us a point of view for our whole Whole, everyone ever watched games on TV, like he gave us a point of view that we wouldn't have seen, you know, if he wasn't standing there holding that camera for us. I think it's really interesting that we're at a point now, whether through social media or through just how the team has opened up and, you know, is, um, you know, making the broadcasters a, a 
a, a big part of their identity. It's just the fact that we knew his name. And when we, you know, I know when I saw, you know, I think Casey first tweeted like RIP Blazer Cam 4, I was like, oh my gosh, is that real? Um, but just like that we as a fan base know more than just the players and appreciate more than uh, just the players and what the players bring. We obviously appreciate that, but the, it's more than just the players that makes the makes up the whole organization. So yeah, rough, tough week. You want to move on to something that maybe yeah. might be a little more that I think is a little bit more fun. Yes, I would love that. <laughs> okay, so last week we learned all about Shade and Sharp, and that was awesome. And this week we are going to learn about Gary Payton too. So I'll start. I have a lot to say. Please interrupt me, like make signs with your hands if I'm going on too long or ask me questions or whatever, because I, I read a lot, did a lot of research, and I'm super excited to talk about Gary Payton too. Um, so I, I guess I did say that, you know, there weren't many things about the Golden State Warriors that I cared for. And, you know, Gary clearly was associated with the Golden State Warriors. So I'll 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 say that he's another uh, besides Jim Barnett. Uh, he's another offset of offshoot of the, the Warriors that I can have good feelings about. Uh, so Gary was uh, born on December 1st in 1992. He has an older sister, Raquel, and a younger brother named Julian. Um, his parents, of course, well, his father, of course, is Gary Payton. Gary Payton was a 17-year vet in the NBA. He had 13 years with the Sonics. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2013. He's a top 75 player, nine-time All-Star, um, all kinds of accolades. And he even did win a championship with Miami at the end of his career. Um, and his mother uh, and I got so I have to admit, I have like the biggest crush on his mother. She's amazing. I had so much fun learning about her. His mother's name is Monique and Monique and Gary Sr. met in Oakland where they both grew up. They met in high school. Um, Monique, wait, Gary, sorry. Wait, Gary Payton's dad is also Gary. Yes. Gary Payton's father is Gary Payton. Oh, no. Gary Payton 2's okay. father is Gary Payton. Gary Payton's father okay. is a guy named Al. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I was getting, I was figuring out which layer I was, I was on and <laughs> now I know. Okay. So yes. Monique right. is Gary Payton 2's mom. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. Monique and Gary Payton senior, um, uh, are, are from Oakland. They went to high school together in Oakland. And one of the things about reading about Gary Payton too, is there's references as to who his mom all over place. He's clearly very close to his mom. I've heard him, or I've seen him refer to her as his best friend. His mom was his plus one at Draymond Green's wedding. His mom is a a very huge part of uh, his life and all of her uh, children's life. His mom, interestingly, is who he credits with getting his athleticism from. Um, Gary Payton Sr., you know, was, a, you know, defensive stalwart he did dunk. He was a huge dude, but you don't really necessarily associate him with the kind of like what I used to call springiness of Gary Payton, too, who's just like bouncing all over the place. Um, so he says that he got his uh, athleticism from his mom, who was a basketball player. Um, she once recorded a 30 inch vertical. So she's a very high jumper. And oh. actually um, her high school coach you know had all kinds of praise for her and um 
he when when the track coach found out that she had that high vertical and saw her running um he invited her to come over and do track so she also did track especially the the jumping events um she did go on to play basketball at Merritt Junior College which is a college in the bay area and while she was there let me lead you a little bit the two time all golden gate conference athlete still holds the school record for most steals in a game with 15 during her sophomore year that, that that's very gary, gary payton too so he comes by his uh defensive abilities naturally both from his dad and his mom um and they won the Merritt, Merritt College won the Golden Gate Conference Championship both of her seasons. But she's gonna she's gonna show up again. She's just awesome. Um, I'll explain this now. Get it out of the way because I've a lot of people have wondered. There is a Gary Payton Jr. Uh, Gary Payton Jr. is about four or five months older than GP two, and he has a different mom. So. There's like, we need to remember to call the Gary Payton that plays for the Trailblazers right now. He's GP2. He's not Gary Payton Jr. There's a separate kid. And I've read about like the families, like they've talked to each other. They know each other. I'm not going to like add any other <laughs> judgments sure. or, you know, information about it, but just know that he is Gary Payton the second and there is a Gary Payton Jr. The hardest part for me is just that there are in the same family, blended family or not, that there are two Gary Paytons in the same generation born in the same year. Uh -huh. That like, it's got to be hard to keep your phone contact straight. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is, that is true. Um, I mean, is it a little bit like George Foreman with all his kids named George? <laughs> Yeah, it just it, I think the hardest part is that they're also so they're also the same age. They're exactly uh -huh. the same age. They're just a couple of months apart. And you said he's a little the, the Gary Payton Jr. is a little bit older. Yeah. Like Gary Payton the second. Yeah. So like, you know, Gary Payton, too, is born in December. Uh -huh. I was born in like the summer before that or whatever. Like. It's, uh... Yeah, if, if people <laughs> want to learn more about it, there are articles written. Um, I, I, I learned. I learned some stuff from articles that were focused on athletes, children born out of wedlock. And it would just felt like icky to be swirling around in all of that, which really doesn't have anything to do with me. And so Agreed. I just kind of left Agreed. it. But if people do want to learn more, they can go and they can they can find the articles about that. Agree. Okay. Moving so on. Gary, uh, you know, so he was born in Seattle while his dad was playing for the Sonics. And so he grew up in the locker room. He spent a lot of time as a very young kid growing up around the Sonics and around all those players and around, you know, their kids. Sean Kemp was a super close friend of uh, Gary Payton and or uh, Gary Payton senior. He just knew all those um, knew all those guys from the locker room. Um, he shagged balls, you know, he hung out in the locker room Um Shout out to Cassidy. I found this quote from Gary Payton in an uh, interview with him. He said that he uh, really mostly hung out with the mascot because he wanted to be a little squash, squatch. He wanted to be a little, he wanted to be a little Sasquatch. Oh, I, Cassidy wouldn't have find that one. She would, <laughs> her, her love of mascots knows no bounds. <laughs> but also doesn't it just like fit Gary perfectly? Yeah. Like that He's he like would a little character. Be a yeah. 
Like you could totally see him, his character shining through that, um, Wait. even through the costume. Very quickly, does Gary? So we you talked about Gary Payton too having Gary Payton Jr. as a brother. Does he have other siblings? Yeah, he has an older sister named Raquel and a younger okay. sister uh, named Julian, who are all Monique's kids. Okay, they, and they all grew up together in Seattle. Um, yeah, they grew up in Seattle until uh, about middle school. They moved to Las Vegas, and so that was the po- the point that Gary Payton left the Sonics and he went to various different teams and eventually ended up in Miami, winning a championship. Um, but at the time that he left the Sonics, the family moved to Las Vegas, and um, his mom was a uh, was a flight um, attendant. So I, maybe that was because maybe they moved there because that was a hub. I'm I'm not quite sure, but that's where he spent his uh, junior high and high school. Um, so Seattle is you know where he was born and raised. Uh, Las Vegas is where he spent you know his teenage years. And he I think if you asked him, he would also include Oakland as another one of his hometowns, even though he didn't live there as a kid. That's where his mom and dad are from. That's where his grandparents are. And he spent a ton of time mm-hmm. going back and forth. And um, you know, his grandparents are there. He's very close with them. So uh, I think those three cities all kind of made GP2 who he is. Yeah. And it makes sense that they would choose like maybe a different um, city to base themselves out of because Gary Payton after he left Seattle he like bounced around quite a bit I think he went to the Lakers and mm-hmm. he was like you know like looking for an opportunity to win a ring mm-hmm. um, but it makes sense that like moving the family every year would have been too hard for like kids that are still in school yeah yeah so that's where they that's where they established themselves um and it was at that point where you know he uh, Gary Payton GP2 was was playing basketball um when he got there in middle school, like he was teased by his classmates for not being as good as his dad. He wasn't like super into it. He wasn't like some of these guys that we read about who like just live and breathe basketball, like from the age four on Um, Gary tried different sports and, you know, and his brother and sister, they, they tried different sports. He wasn't like super, super into it. He played AAU. He played on competitive and travel teams, but he just like, it wasn't like his thing. You know, he had told his mom before that he was thinking about quitting basketball. Um, like in high school, he uh, there was a point where he asked his dad to stop coming to his games. It just wasn't like his thing, really. Um, I mean, it was obviously his thing, but it wasn't as much his thing maybe as it was his dad's when his dad was was growing up. There was a point yeah. where he was thinking about leaving basketball and he got connected with a coach that he really uh, connected with an AAU coach who um, stopped trying to make him do all the things that he wasn't good at and helped him do the things that he was good at. And for him that, that made it a, a big difference. Like let him play the defense, let him do all these things that he was really good at and stop trying to like hammer him into uh, the things that he wasn't so great at. Um, oh, and then around this time, this is a story that has uh, I've, I read in several different um, uh, pieces about him around high school or early in high school. His dad told him and his brother that he wasn't going to pay for them to go to college. They were going to have to earn a scholarship on their own. I read a separate article about his mom who said that she laughed and said the boys actually believed it. <laughs> so my thought is that the parent like he, Gary had said this, but all along was, you know, would have paid for his boys college but it was like to motivate them to want to to want to play better um so at the end of high school uh you know gary had this time he was working with this coach that he you know really liked he um was trying hard um but he wasn't 
quite ready either academically to go into college or, um, uh, you know, for the big time basketball wise. So he went to an additional year at Westwood Prep Academy in Phoenix. Um, Tony Snell, by the way, went there. They didn't go there at the same time, oh. but Tony Snell did go there. Um, and after a year at Westwind Prep, he went to Salt Lake Community College for two years. And um, Blazer fans may remember that just last year, or maybe it was earlier this year, um, uh, when the Blazers were in Utah, they went to Salt Lake Community College where they retired Gary Payton's number, which was the first number the school ever retired. Um, <laughs> he had a lot of success there basketball-wise. Um, he uh, he earned honors for the junior college. It was a junior college, so he earned honors um, as the... 2014 Region 18 Co-Player of the Year and Region 18 Tournament Most Valuable Player. They had a 27-7 and record overall, and they won their second consecutive Region 18 championship behind Gary Payton, GP2. So after two years in junior college, uh, he was ready to go on to a D1 school. And um, as Blazer fans probably know, his father went to Oregon State. Gary was ready to go to St. Mary's, which is located in the Bay Area. He wanted to. Um... Yes. Do you have a question? No, sorry. My camera's being oh. fuzzy, so I'm trying <laughs> to get it to focus back on my face. Oh, OK. <laughs> I thought you were raising your hand to ask a question because I know I'm covering a lot. No, but Ernie Ernie Kent used to coach there, I believe, before he came to the University of Oregon. At St. Mary's. At St. Mary's. Yeah. And it's for, I don't know why it's like a kind of like a, like a, like a small college. That's a basketball school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a basketball school. It's also located really close to his grandparents' house. So he was ready to go there, happy to go there. And his dad was like, Hey, would you just kind of go do a visit to OSU? And so Gary, like, you know, as a favor to his dad was like, sure, I'll go check out OSU. And he went there and Craig Robinson was the coach at the time and had a great visit, liked the coach, loved the city and was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. So he decided to go to Oregon State University and Gary Payton Sr. was so happy about it. He just talks glowingly about it. He was and he said, like, he wasn't trying to pressure him at all to go there, but he was so, so happy when he chose to go there. Um, So. Gary became a beaver and he finished his last two years of eligibility at Oregon State University. Um, so when he joined the Beavers, they had not been to the NCAA tournament since his father played there. So very well liked and lauded and appreciated for leading the uh, team back to the NCAA tournament. He and his father are the only two players to have ever gotten triple doubles for the Beavers um, during his first season with that, with the Beavers, he led the team in points, rebounds, and steals. He was two-time first team, all Pac-10, two-time Pac-12 defensive player of the year. So did great, was super popular, um, at OSU. And when he, he was a senior, he met incoming freshman Drew Eubanks. So they actually were there for a year together. Oh, that's fun. Um, Craig Robinson, that's uh, Michelle Obama's brother, right? Yes, yes. And at, by the time Gary arrived there, they had a new coach. <laughs> it was oh. Wayne Tinkle. Um, yeah. And they got along great. And he was uh, happy with that. I forgot to say that. Yeah. So he was recruited by Craig Robinson, but he actually played under uh, Wayne Tinkle. So in 2016, at this point, Gary Payton is 24 years old. So he's ready to enter into the draft. Most people are entering the draft 
and this eight are like you know 1920 21 maybe that's one of the things i always forget about gp2 is that he's 30 you know he's yeah. he's he's older and um he did not even get to the point where he was trying to get drafted until he was 24 almost 25 years old um so in 2016 he was undrafted just for reference that was the year that the blazers drafted jake layman um so they chose Jake Lehman while Gary Payton was there for whatever reason. They didn't take GP2. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so then began a journey um, that Gary Payton took through the NBA. And I'm not going to read all of it because it was a long and he made a lot of stops. Um, basically, he was frequently invited to um, training camp, invited to play in summer league, uh, given 10 day contracts went back and forth on two-way contracts. He played with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, with the Lakers, with the Wizards, um, with the Raptors before he ended up at Golden State. He had three different um, stints with the Rio Grande Vipers. Um, South Bay Lakers, he played with them. He was all over the place going back and forth. Some notable things while he was in this journey starting in 2016. Um, in 2018, he joined the Lakers at the end of their season, and he was the last person before LeBron James to wear number 23 for oh. the Lakers. Just a little fun fact. Um, also in 2018 summer, or I guess training camp, 2018, he did play in the training camp for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and that was the beginning of my dream of the Gary and Gary on Gary and Gary podcast, because we had Gary Payton, <laughs> Gary Payton, the second and Gary Trent Jr. And I want their dads to have a podcast, Gary and Gary on Gary and Gary. And that is where and when that dream began in 2018. Um, okay. So fast forward to, uh, the 2021, 22 season. That is, um, last season the beginning of that season he had he'd had several previous season two years ago he'd had several 10 days with the golden state warriors they ended up giving him a full grant contract that included the next season but then they cut him when the new season began and he was ready to uh apply for a job in the video department he just wanted to stay around basketball. Um, but at that point he'd been around so long. He was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go get a job as a video coordinator. I love the game. I know the game. I can do this. And I have a, a personal opinion from what I've read all about him is I think Gary Payton loves being on a team. I think he's an ultimate team guy and he loves playing with teams. And I'm guessing that I, I'm my, I'm, I'm thinking that that might have been something that perpetuated that propelled him all these years when maybe he was struggling to like find his place as a player you know in the league his love of being on a team kept him going cuz he just like from observation just watching him you know on the sidelines all you know we watched him like the whole half, first half of the season just like so happy and so involved and like when they would mic him up he just was like so like such a um, a champion for his guys on his team. I just feel like being a, a teammate or a teammate is like a really important thing for Gary Payton. I can see that. Also, like, you know, did you see the, the little like clip of him when he was mic'd up mm -hmm. for the broadcast? Like he's always talking. Yeah. Talking he's about Jeremy. Talking. Yeah. He's always talking. 
having a good time out there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that for sure. And that also jives with what Jamie Hudson said about him, that he's always like helping other guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even though he wasn't playing, he was always just being helpful. Well, I thought it was really great this week. Um, I just learned it this week uh, to find out that he has been sort of the uh, he's been the vet for Shaden. He's Shaden's vet. Yeah. Yeah. They oh. just started talking about that uh, this week. I think Gary was interviewed. Um, I think maybe it was on Casey's podcast. And um, he said, yeah, that he's, you know, he's been working a lot with Shaden. And I'm just like, that is amazing because Shaden will have like a defensive guy you know, helping him out. And when you look at them on the court, yeah, Gary's got his arm around him a lot, talking to him. And it's just, it's, I just think it's really cool, but yeah, Gary just seems like a huge champion for all of his teammates. Maybe that's where Shaden's tiny bit of extroversion is coming out because Gary Payton exudes extrovert in that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So obviously, um, like I said, he was he was going to be done he was applying for he was talking to the video guy for the warriors saying i want to apply for this opening and the video guy was like we 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 just we need you on the team we don't want you in the video we really need you on the team and so it ended up that he did get a contract for last season and we all know what happened the golden state warriors won the championship and a lot of people consider him a really key part of that run even when he was injured and missed a bunch of the playoffs he came back from that injury and he had a significant impact in the final round um, so happy ending there for him. <laughs> Can I just say that like his, his journey through basketball feels like a weird, like, I don't know, flip flop of his dad's career. And that like his dad played a super important, meaningful, like intense role in a franchise for a long time. Didn't get a ring there. And then went like bouncing around to other teams looking for like a chance at the end of his career to pick up a ring. And like, how many people are going to know that like Gary Payton Sr. won his ring in Miami? I never remember that. (laughs) Right. And Gary Payton, too, is out here like bouncing around, not really having a home, not really finding his place, maybe thinking about like leaving like as a player, like basketball as a player. And he just like backs into a ring and in an, in an important, it wasn't like a central role, but it was an important role on that team, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, and he got it like early career. Although I would say he's not that early. He's like 30. He's I know. Like 29 it's, then. it's weird. It's weird. And both he and his dad have talked about it. And, you know, it's the whole time I've, I was of course researching all of this. I was thinking about the similarities and difference between him, him and his dad. And they're, I see more differences between him and his dad than I see similarities, but I'm sure that there are are some. But one of the things they've both talked about and specifically is their journey and how they both had very different journeys and how Gary needed to continually remind his dad that their journey was different. And now when you read interviews or you hear Gary Payton Sr. talk, you'll hear him talking about how their journeys are different and, you know, how he appreciates, you know, that Gary had his own path to take. Um, So, yeah, but I it was impossible to, like, think about GP2 without contrasting him <laughs> yeah. to his dad. Um, So anyway, during 2022 free agency, of course, Gary Payton signed a three-year, $26 million contract with the Blazers, and that is how he came to be to the Blazers. It's like his first long-term deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. At 30. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, he really stuck with it. Um, but there's a couple other important things to know about Gary Payton. And we'll talk about his mom again, because she, again, she's amazing. Um, when he was in second grade, he was diagnosed with dyslexia and his mom wrote a wonderful piece for the athletic about, it came out right after he won the championship. And this piece that she wrote was to him about how proud she is of him, of his journey and all the things that he overcame um, to get there and about how, you know, she's proud of him for being, you know, winning the NBA championship, obviously. But the thing that she's most proud of is that he was able to maintain his smile through everything that he has been through and that he won the 19, the 2022 champion or he won the 2022 Bob Lanier NBA Cares Award. That's the year-long award. You know how they give yeah, yeah. Uh, an NBA Cares Award on a monthly basis? The Bob Lanier yeah. one is the the yearly one that you get for being like recognized by the uh, for all of your work that you've been doing. And uh, that was for the work with the GP2 Foundation, which does a lot of work um, uh, for kids who have dyslexia and, and other learning disabilities. Um, but I want to read you a couple pieces from this piece by his mom because she's so awesome. I'll see if I can get through it because it's really touching. <laughs> she says, I will never forget the day you were first diagnosed with dyslexia. Your second grade teacher suggested you get examined. The lady who tested you came to the house to give us the results. Your dad wanted me to get the details and tell him what happened. So I went downstairs, opened the door, walked into the kitchen and sat down with this lady. She told me my son is dyslexic and all I could do was cry. I felt so horrible. I could only think about all those nights I forced you to read. Every evening for at least 30 minutes, I remembered all those times I yelled at you to speak up because you always talked so low in that mumbling tone. And I imagined all those times you were asked to read out loud at school and that made you feel so small. I cried like a little girl that day. And remember how I gave you that whole summer off from reading? <laughs> I felt so badly. So mom just realized that some of the things that he was struggling with, she didn't know about and was just devastated to, um, you know, to, to find out that, that he'd been hurting in a way that she didn't understand and didn't know. So then she goes on, she says, I started to research who was dyslexic in the industry. And I, how can I get my son in front of that person? That's when I discovered a few people had the same learning disability, Albert Einstein, though he was deceased and he couldn't meet you. It was still cool <laughs> to know actor, Danny Glover, even Henry Winkler, a.k.a. the Fonz, I reached out to Henry Winkler's people and was able to set it up so that he could talk to you. He was so good to you. He told you how he was given his lines for each scene, and that's how he was able to say his lines. And he assured you that you were very intelligent and that you will be amazing at whatever you wanted to do. Isn't that amazing? She got yeah. Winkler. She went to the Fonz. Yeah. Oh, it was just amazing. So like, I want to read you a little bit about the accomplishments of the GP2 foundations. Um, the, the, he got, he helped the warriors expand their read to achieve program to specifically include students with learning disabilities. He attended a rally at San Francisco city hall in support of universal screening for the risk of dyslexia. Um, he first hosted his first ever reading rally with decoding dyslexia for students affected by learning disabilities. Um, so he founded the GP2 Foundation, which is a nonprofit that acts with as a conduit for dyslexia awareness and educational disability he's dealt with throughout his life. 
The foundation provides funding for educators to become more become certified in early intervention services and support for students with learning disabilities, such as dyslexia, including early screening, detection, and certified assessments for youth and young adults. So just, I'm just, I'm just so impressed that he was, um, he's, you know, he's been bringing kids to games. He's been, um, uh, you know, advocating for early intervention and for kids learning techniques early on to help them be successful, which is just like so important rather than just making them sit in the back of the class and, you know, be miserable. He's like actively um, trying to trying to change that in schools, which I think is awesome. So like I said earlier, they December 3rd, Salt Lake Community College retired his number few other random things about him for fun he plays video games he's watched ted lasso four or five times all the way through and he loves harry potter <laughs> i wonder what what uh what house he would be. he's sorted into in harry potter oh what's the really couple he's hufflepuff don't you think is he hufflepuff isn't that like the super friendly happy yes. friendship one yes that's true and i would i'll say this i because like of the ambition I would say that there's probably way more NBA players that are in Slytherin than you would think, because like <laughs> it takes that level of ambition to like get there. Mm -hmm. But I could believe Gary Payton too is not a Slytherin. I mean, just from like watching him on the bench and hearing, you know, like I feel like there's no nowhere does he go that he doesn't have friends or make friends, and that just seems like such an in, an integral. Uh, part of his existence uh we had on the podcast earlier um i interviewed uh, a local guy named devon pouncey who is a uh mm -hmm. he calls games for like the um portland state and pacific university and he's friends with gary from their aau days they played aau together but like all these years ago, they were friends, and he invited Devon to go to his championship party celebration. You know, I just feel like he probably has friends everywhere, and it was like, everybody come and celebrate with Gary. <laughs> I love that. That's um, that's a nice friend to have, too. Someone who always remembers everybody. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I learned about Gary Payton. I'm so excited that um, that he's here. I look forward to watching him play. I hope he plays a lot as soon as he's ready to. Just like the minutes that we've seen, it's like, oh, I get it. You know, like when he came, I was just like, okay, but why did it take him so long to find? Like I kept, I kept thinking there's got to be a reason yeah. that, and I, I still believe that, but then he steps out on the court and it's like, oh my gosh, he has such an impact, such a positive impact. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like he's a little bit like like when I watch him play, he's a little bit like like um like an unbroken horse, you know. He plays with such a like wild abandon out there, and I bet that like you have to really build your confidence in your body to just play that way. Mm -hmm. Because if you have any like like worries just in the back of your head, you might not be as as effective as you normally would be when you can turn that part off and just go. Cause like when I watch him play, I'm like, this guy has no chill. <laughs> he's always up to 11. He's very joyful in the way that he plays. He plays very, I feel like he plays very like joyful basketball. And like, it's probably really hard to play that wild and free and joyful. If you have any worries about 
your fitness to do so. Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I know that the injury he was rehabbing was one that was like a, I don't know if it was like an exact repeat injury, but it was an, he was, he had somebody, he was somebody who was experienced nagging injuries. And so just, I don't know, rehabbing injuries for years can just change a guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, when you are, you know, you're making your, uh, you're getting contracts because of your physicality mm -hmm. and that's what, you know, that's what you do. Um, yeah, it it would make sense that you have to be really, really ready uh, to go out and do that. One of the things that I noticed, another difference between his dad, um, I was watching the game, one of the games that he was playing, and when every time somebody fell down, even on the other team, Gary Payton was the first person to be there and help him up. And I was like, oh, Gary Payton would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from what we've heard about all his trash talking. And yeah. like, I, I listened to this podcast where Gary Payton, this senior, was talking about his like trash talking style. And I was like horrified because <laughs> it's like, yeah, I tried to get them and break them emotionally and say things that would, you know, I was just like, ah, oh, that seems like <laughs> that doesn't seem like GP2 because GP2 is the first one to go help somebody up. Apparently he does trash talk, though. I wonder if it's trash. I really wanted him to be mic'd up during a game because I wonder if it's trash talk or just talk. Maybe. Because like, he I could get, just be like talking just like a motor mouth the whole entire time. And that could also be really distracting. Yeah, that's true. But I I can, I can, do think that there's like, so like the, a style of trash talk that is not malicious in any way. But like some, I mean, some guys just love to like live in that zone, you know? Like they just like, like trash talking is just like, it's part of the fun mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> of the game. And I think that there are guys that like, it's part of the fun of the game. And there's some guys who just like, can't help it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it could be just like a constant string of, Oh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, you think you're going to get past me? You think you can get past me? You can't get past me. You know, I, you know, and just like being able to just go on and on like, like that. Or is it like saying something that really hurts <laughs> to get them out of the game? He, he'll like he'll give looks at the to like the visitor bench sometimes or like yes. you know like he you know he gets in the mix for sure but like there's i definitely think there's like a different there's a line between like like the good antagonistic fun and like kind of like more mean antagonistic fun mm -hmm. like cj would have fun with it but sometimes cj would like kind of cross the line when he was here yeah it feels like he could get a little mean <laughs> <laughs> but i i think i think gary peyton brings a little bit of that that joy that we heard about, you know, from what the Warriors were supposed to be like, you know, at the height of their, you know, their first um, uh, champions in the modern era, you know, Steve Kerr, you know, talking about them playing with joy. And I really, I really kind of see that in Gary Payton, like he sort of naturally comes by, like, he's just always having a, a great time. He's just so happy. And like, again, like he keeps saying, he's just so happy to be there with his teammates and doing this together with his teammates you know, and achieving all of this, you know, as a part of a team, it just seems, I mean, I have no, I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm just making that part up <laughs> from observation. That's what it looks like. That's so great. I love Gary. I'm like, I'm so happy that he's playing and we get to see him and I don't know, like uh, worth the wait, mm -hmm. worth the wait for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. I'm glad that he's feeling like, I, I heard him say that he's feeling as good as he's going to feel this season, which makes me think that he's not feeling what like 100 but that he knows that he might not anytime soon um so i wish that he felt you know completely confident and pain-free but you know i'm very you happy say, i feel great 
<laughs> I'm very happy to see him play. Yeah, me too. Well, should we move on to social media player of the week? Do you have any other questions about Gary Payton or GP2? I should say. No, I don't. I, you did. You did a very good job figuring out his past, his journey, which he and Shaden both. We talked about them both like, you know, kind of back to back. Like they both had unique journeys to the NBA mm -hmm. um, for wildly different reasons. Mm -hmm. One of them was one of them was like rushed straight into the NBA as soon as humanly possible. And the other one kind of just took the took the scenic route. Mm -hmm. But also interesting when you contrast it where I thought it was super interesting what you were talking about with Shaden, how Shaden was surrounded by adults who were there to get him to the NBA where there's kind of a gap between like what's the right way to do it. Like you have to have the right people around you steering you and doing the right things. And it's kind of a crapshoot whether or not you're going to get the right people, you know, because you can't have an agent when you're in high school. So you don't have anybody who's like regulated um, to take you through that process. Yeah. And so yeah. Shaden was kind of like at the mercy of whoever it was that, you know, decided that they were going to turn him into an NBA player. Whereas GP2 grew up the son of an NBA player and he yeah. saw the whole thing. So two also different journeys just from that lens, you know, like the Peyton family having a lot of people that they could ask and rely on to get information and the, the sharps just like having less options when it comes to that. Yeah. Especially, I feel like, especially from the Canadian perspective that like the Canadian to NBA pipeline is like not, I mean, it's, there's definitely Canadian NBA players, but like, it's not like we have this long history of piping high level Canadian players into the NBA. And like, there's like a established route to do so. Mm -hmm. um, all these guys kind of took their own journeys in. And maybe this guy that Shaden is connected to that helped get him on his path to the NBA was like one of the first guys that really was trying to do that because I know that he, you know, he, led uh Chai Gilgis Alexander there and mm -hmm. you know like this is that's still a, I feel like that's still a developing path whereas like the path from son of an NBA player to the NBA is a much more defined path at this point we have lots of second generation mm -hmm. um NBA players who are son who are sons of I mean Blazers have multiple yeah <laughs> Blazers have like three and we can see that it's not easy that it's not like a given it's a real um you know it's it, it, but it, you do have advantages of just maybe knowing and and knowing what to expect, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get there. Um, and it all this also just continues to make me more curious about uh, Formula Zero and wanting to learn more about what Damien's um, group is, because maybe that is going to be filling that gap for a lot of the players. Like imagine if Shaden had been able to get into the Formula Zero program that uh, Damien has, is just starting. I want to learn more about that to find out like if maybe that's kind of where the direction that they're going is like kind of establishing some more um, established routes. Um, okay. Social media player of the week. Should we go for it? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So we talked last week about how social media player of the week was won by Nurk for getting off social. Well, yesterday I noticed that Nurk is back on Instagram. <laughs> I don't think he's back on Twitter yet, or he wasn't the last time I looked. Yeah, he wasn't the last time I looked either. He is back on Instagram. I, he hasn't really been posting or anything, but his account has been reactivated, and he's not like he deleted all of his old content. It's still there. It's uh, like it never went away. 
and it looks like he came back to post about Sean Lee. He posted yeah. a couple things about Sean Lee. So maybe he turned it on to do that. Okay. I don't think we can take away, you know, a previous <laughs> award. <laughs> do we go so far as to consider him again for rejoining? Yeah, sure. He can be considered. <laughs> he can be considered. Um, so, okay. We also should talk about how, um, Keon Johnson is now on TikTok. Exciting. So Nurk, Nurk back on Instagram. Keon has now has a TikTok. You can follow him on TikTok and he's posted to TikTok. I think he cross posted like a video from his Instagram to his TikTok, but you know, he's not the only blazer or excuse me. Jabari Walker is no longer the only blazer like active on TikTok. Now you can also follow Keon. Yeah, and it's it's been a while since Jabari has been active. And I thought it was interesting that Keon, he has he's had he's got two posts on TikTok talk talk, and they're pretty highly produced. Um, I mean, it looks like you know, somebody I don't know if he did him him, maybe he's like taken up a hobby of learning how to like produce videos, or maybe he's working with somebody who's helping him um, you know, boost his social media presence. But I thought they were cool because they both like gave us a little glimpse about like who sh- who Keon is. And mm-hmm. I love it every time we get to learn a little bit more about a player. Yeah, for sure. And also it's clear it's clear that he's investing in it, right? Because that's like a professionally like shot produced uh, you know video for him mm-hmm. oh, that'd be great because also keon is one of those players that like i bet you some of the highlights of him are just insane mm-hmm. and i would like to see more of those please yeah yeah um yeah he has been posting more you know it's mostly because he hasn't been playing a lot it's been just pictures of him with his his guys on the bench you know we talked about him was he last week or the week before uh also did you notice uh dog in the videos in the reels yes yes so keon most valuable pet fans out there. Keon has a dog. It looks like it's a pit from his uh, TikTok slash Instagram video. But we now can we now see that Keon's got a dog, everybody. Because, I mean, at the beginning of the season, we had like no idea because we thought everybody with pets, you know, moved away. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, we saw Keon. We've since learned that Drew Eubanks has dogs that we got to see in his wedding photos. He has two long-haired dachshunds that are very cute. I think long-haired dachshunds are super duper cute. I, they're not the dog for me personality-wise, but like cuteness-wise, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Two tiny wiener dogs. I think we need to. I think we should. We're gonna have to like revisit the pet because MV pet and most valuable pet was like a great award last year, and we like decided we weren't gonna do it today. But I think in a later um, episode, let's discuss whether or not we want to hold the line on that one. Okay. Also, I mean, the other thing that I feel confident about now is that I think that I feel confident saying that Jeremy Grant has a Shiba Inu. Oh, because I've so I saw a picture of him like walking a Shiba Inu earlier this season. But I was going back and looking through some of his old posts and like it's hard because he sometimes like, you know, posts with like 10 pictures on one post. And so you have to scroll through them all to see what they all look like. But like I found a post from him like more than a year ago when he was still in Detroit of him taking a picture of his like outfit at home and his like long full length mirror. And there's a Shiba Inu looking in the mirror with him. And I'm like, dude's got a Shiba Inu. Consistency. 
Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to st- start like um adding him and dming him and finding out <laughs> anybody having anybody who knows uh who can com- confirm that because that would be another pet that we didn't know existed and then josh hart just got the dog for christmas so yep. there's another dog that we didn't know so, about before. listeners if any of you can confirm the identity of these pets uh we would love to hear from you their names what kinds of what kinds of pets you see out there because we are currently exploring our options of adding that award back so if you want to see it come back please help us find out about these pets um uh, okay who was our our final um who's going to be the final person to be nominated for social media player of the week um well we have two it looks like i see we talked about justice winslow Posting about uh, watching kids that are strangers interact at a birthday party and how it's so wholesome. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great post, especially because we saw that Dame's kids had a birthday party. And so maybe that's the birthday party. Like you were, you were very smart to point out. Maybe that was the birthday party he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Nico to the to Callie and Kali's birthday. Yeah, that could have been a, uh, a basically royalty birthday. So our options what we were talking about was justice had, like you said, tweeted about the kid's birthday party. And then Josh Hart had a tweet about um, the woman who was wearing the Josh Hart Jersey that she knitted herself, which is amazing. Yes. Um, Truly an amazing project. If you haven't seen it, it's she knitted herself a Jersey, a Josh Hart Jersey, the, uh, the edition that's the red edition with the pinwheel on it, the one that Damien designed. Right. <laughs> uh, and it looks amazing. And so Josh Hart retweeted that and said, love it might need to swap soon. Now we've talked before about how like we basically include Josh Hart every week. And I kind of feel like, you know what, let's give him the week off because she was really the one who did the heavy lifting on this one. Um, But maybe it's an eye out on if they do a Jersey swap and they post a picture of that. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's something to keep an eye out for because I I'm I'm here for that show. <laughs> yeah. We should definitely keep an eye on and find out where where it goes. I just think she did the heavy lifting on that. She knitted that one. Yeah. Um she sat there and she had to design it and figure out how to do it. And I think um we've also talked about justice a lot. Justice has had a lot of entries, but I loved the the thought that he's at a at a kid's birthday party so what what the tweet says is watching kids that are strangers interact at a birthday party has to be one of the most wholesome things in this world which is adorable because you can see him like with all these kids he was followed it up immediately he didn't thread it but he followed it up immediately with another tweet that said i guess it's kind of like random guys playing pickup (laughs) which i don't necessarily associate with the most wholesome thing in the world yeah that's maybe i'm just watching the wrong pickup games well i say so i have spent a lot of times watching a lot of time watching small kids interact because you know my daughter is six but she went to a co-op preschool where i you know had a shift in her room every week for two years um so i've seen a lot of like little kids interacting um for the first time and it's always like you know you teach your kids that like everyone's their friend and so, like, the default expectation is that we're going to be friends until maybe kids find out that they're not going to be friends. Um, and watching that unfold is really, truly wholesome. So I totally agree with him. And I and I know exactly what he's talking about when you watch kids, like, not be, like, bound by, like, the social, cultural constraints of, like, trying to, I don't know, like, I don't know, be, be 
be perceived as cool or whatever. I don't know exactly how to explain it. It's like kids just don't have, they don't have that like perception where they're worried about how they're being perceived. Like Mm -hmm. they're not thinking about that. And they're also um, just approaching everyone like they're good. Yeah. And I bet as an NBA player, when you watch guys meet and interact all the time, you see a lot of that. Oh, I just got to be cool. You know, I'm just going to be, you know, Unless you meet Gary Payton too, who I would po- who I would posit is probably a delight to meet the first time every time. <laughs> but okay, so we've got um, we've got uh, a nomination for Nurk for getting back on Instagram <laughs> after we rewarded him for getting off of it last week. We've uh-huh. got Keon Johnson for joining TikTok and his post with uh, that valuable dog content that we love so much and then justice with his wise observation that watching kids that are strangers interact at a birthday party has to be one of the most wholesome things in the world so who gets your vote honestly i can't i don't think i can vote for nurk because i voted for nurk for getting off instagram and it feels wrong to be like yeah welcome back buddy good for you award for this also no i can't do that um i would love to vote for Kian on tiktok but i am not on tiktok and i don't super duper want to get on tiktok because i hear once you're on tiktok you can't get off tiktok and so i haven't opened that can yet um so my vote actually is for justice because also i'm i've literally just spent the last like six years of my life watching small kids interact and that's just my world it feels very familiar to me and i love that like parents with young kids or like you know first-time parents that get to experience that it's just i don't know it's like a really good reminder of like who we are when we enter this world and that like the the coolness or like the meanness or like what I don't know whatever like that that's later we're not born that way <laughs> well I had a slight leaning towards Keon mm-hmm. um and I think that if Keon joining TikTok had been enough to get you on TikTok then I would have given I would have a much stronger like oh Keon needs to take this but since he only piqued your interest and didn't get you to actually join. I guess I can go with justice because also I miss justice's daily whiteboards. Cause I don't think he's doing the daily whiteboards anymore. So at this point, I'm just happy with any um, justice content where he shares his thoughts on um, things like this. <laughs> I'm also like, for me, like someone like justice, like he's been out of, you know, he hasn't been playing for weeks and weeks now. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see him still engaging on um, social and also like, I don't know, happy because <laughs> mm-hmm. some of his posts are not like I, I if you read into them a little too much, you wonder if he's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hard to be injured. I think it's hard. Also, I, I was thinking about this. I think it's hard to watch your team struggle to know that they miss you while you're mm-hmm. injured because you're, you're in a very helpless position. I feel like they really miss him, too. I really think that secondary ball handler with the second unit is really missed. Although we still need shooters and he's not a shooter. He's yeah. a reliable ball handler and he can get other people um, their shots. I We were talking about a little bit before we came on that a lot of there's, there's a lot of like overpassing going on where everybody's just like getting it to people. Cause it's like, well, uh, should I be moving it along? Uh, and I feel like justice played with a lot of like, strong like he knew exactly what play he was trying to develop and where he was trying to go with it and it was less just like i don't know pass it ah (laughs) yeah for sure and he 
the outside of Dame, he felt like somebody who was really good at getting Ant some shots, like high quality shots. Mm-hmm. He would be on the floor with Ant because I don't. I, I have, I've said this before, and I I don't think that Ant's strongest place is on the ball. And when he gets to play with a guy like Justice, mm-hmm. he gets to do what he's best at. Mm-hmm. And he, with a guy who was very good at getting him what he needs to be successful. And I I don't know. I miss that like chemistry a little bit. Um, you're right. There's a lot of like overpassing because guys are like. Is this a good shot? Maybe you have a better shot. I'm passing to you. And, it, you know, there's like and, you know, there's a lot of talk about like who's passing up good shots and who's not or whatever. But like the, the fact of the matter is, is a lot of the times guys are taking shots because they have to, not because it's the shot that they want. And I think justice is good at helping guys find the shot that they want. Mm-hmm. Well said. And to be clear, it's not that I don't love passing. I love passing. Yeah. We all know I'm tracking passing i love lots of passing um but i feel like they're you know they're tipping they 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 tipped a little bit too far in one direction now they got to bring it back but that's just that's just natural when when teams are teams are learning it's nice um, that they're they're trying to make those passes mm-hmm. yeah okay so we're giving it to justice social media player of the week congratulations to justice winslow i hope that he en- enjoys this honor and can bask in it and can brag to all his friends all week about how he got the what um social media player of the week i i expect that's what he will be doing <laughs> they're probably like all in the um in the locker room arguing over like who it should have been yeah i'm sure it's a hot topic <laughs> they're all huddled over like listening on like one phone and they're all like who's it gonna be who's it gonna be oh it's justice <laughs> oh <laughs> that's my take for the week <laughs> My take for the week is that the Blazers are going to be just competing with each other like crazy as the uh, as the season goes on to be the winners of the social the what social media players of the week award. That's my hot take. <laughs> What's uh, yours? My take this week is a little more gentle than that. Um, <laughs> you think my, that's a little my, hot? My take. Well, my I'll say my take this week is that I don't care about wins and losses this week because I think that the organization and the team as a whole is going through a lot mm-hmm. and I think that basketball can be healing and it being healing over winning I mean obviously a lot of those can go hand in hand but being healing is the most important thing and it should not like winning should not come at the cost of healing so I hope that everybody in the organization is taking good care of themselves and getting the support that they need and also like honoring the people that they loved and made their made their jobs great. I, anyway, that's what that's my take for the week. That's a good one. I like it. And I will do my part um, when I go to the game tonight to bring all of the love and support and just want to wrap wrap myself wrap myself around all the people who are hurting because of the loss of the the recent losses of their friends. I hope you're wearing Rip City gear specifically. <laughs> Yeah, I found, uh, I did, I have like two shirts. I have a Rip City shirt and a Rip City sweatshirt. So I'm, I've got the, I've got that covered. Perfect. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, Rose, you want to tell folks where they can find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Rose L. Harding. You can also find me on Instagram at Rose L. Harding, but I don't have as much basketball stuff that happens there. Just 
funny kids stuff that happens there, I guess. But you can follow me in either of those places. Tara, where can people find you? They can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter and they can find the What Podcast at We Have a Take. Thank you everyone for listening to us. Oh, don't forget to join our Discord, which is going to be linked in the story. And thanks to Eric Peterson, who I'm going to, I think, going to go to the game with tonight. I think he's going to be sitting back next to me. That'll Ooh. be super fun. So, but thanks to Eric Peterson for our awesome intro and outro music. I love it. And uh, go Blazers. And on three, should we say Rip City? One, two, three. Rip, Rip City. City.